Hi, it's Mina Kimes, host of the ESPN Daily Podcast. Wake up to the best story you'll hear all day. 20 minutes a day, five days a week, where you get an inside look at the most interesting stories at ESPN, as told by the top reporters and insiders on the planet. The breaking news of Sports Center with the deep dive storytelling of 30 for 30. Today's episode is one I thought you'd especially like. Please listen and subscribe to ESPN Daily wherever you get your favorite podcasts. For it to be, you know, 15 years later, and my son is about to play a high school game versus my alma mater in our home state, you know, it almost seemed like it's just all coming back full circle. That was LeBron James talking about a basketball game this weekend between his old high school team, St. Vincent St. Mary, and his son Bronny James's team, Sierra Canyon. Today, a story of basketball over two generations, from the reporter who went from covering LeBron in high school to watching his son play today. I'm Mina Kimes. It's Friday, December 13th. This is ESPN Daily, presented by Dell Small Business. There is an intense interest in both Bronny and this team that borders on maybe some of the most intense interest of any high school team of any sport I've seen. Brian Windhorst is a senior writer for ESPN. He covered LeBron James in high school, and now he's reporting on LeBron's 15-year-old son, Bronny, a freshman for the Sierra Canyon Trailblazers. These guys are having to play in arenas like, I think Bronny's third or fourth game was in an NBA arena. They went to China over the summer for two weeks and barnstormed through China like the Harlem Globetrotters. Then they came home and they had a media day. When it comes time to introduce their team, the lights go off and a highly produced video comes on like you see at an NBA game. It is very much like a uh, a high-level college or a low-level professional environment. People knew who Bronny was before he was a freshman in high school. I mean, there were clips of him playing basketball circulating for quite some time, right? Yeah, on LeBron's social media channels, probably since he was in about fifth or sixth grade. How is he as a player? He's got a terrific build for a 15-year-old. He's about six foot two, six foot three. Um, I think he's a little bit taller than LeBron was at the same age. He definitely has more muscle definition than his father had. Uh, You know, LeBron didn't pick up weights until he was 16 or 17. He plays a very thoughtful game, really wants to set his teammates up. Willing passer, has great athleticism, you know, can can throw down alley-oop dunks. Ronnie throws it down! Looking like his daddy. But with his team, he comes off the bench most of the time. And he is embracing his role. Are there ways in which he does remind you of 14-year-old LeBron James? Oh, my God. The way they move, the way they run, the way they dribble, the way they walk. If I didn't have a roster for you and you just watched C.R. Canyon play, you would identify very quickly if you were a LeBron James fan just by watching them move. So what's next for Bronny? I think it's too early to predict that he is going to be a superstar, that he is going to be a high college major player, even an NBA player. What I can tell you is he plays the game so much like 
his dad did. You know, when LeBron was a kid, he didn't have many friends, and his friends were his basketball teammates. And even though he was always better than all of them, he always wanted to share the ball because after the game was over, they had to be friends. And so that shaped the way he went about the game, and that shaped the way he taught his son the game because his son looks to pass first. How do you think being the son of LeBron James affects his chances, his development, how he's perceived, how he's treated? It's a difficult scenario for him, and I don't think he he's even come to grips with it. He's even talking to people who know him well. He struggles with it at times. It's interesting. When Bronny was born, LeBron told me that he gave him his name because he always wanted to have responsibility for him because his father had not been a part of his life and that he wanted to have the responsibility of living up to his own name. He has subsequently completely reversed on that and said that he wishes he wouldn't have given him his name. And it's not an accident that he is Bronny James and not LeBron James Jr. because he didn't want his son to have the pressure to follow in his footsteps. Let's back up a little bit and talk about this school. He plays at Sierra Canyon. It's a small private school. It's tucked away in a corner of the uh, San Fernando Valley, probably a roughly an hour each way from the James home in Brentwood. It's a real commitment to go there, but it is a fascinating school loaded with the sons and daughters of celebrities. I feel compelled to name Kendall and Kylie Jenner. The reason the school is popular with celebrities is that they're very private. So there may be the daughter of a rock star in the second grade. They won't tell you. That becomes problematic with the basketball team because everybody has their names. They know who they are. They have, in Brody's case, he has millions of Instagram followers. So, Brian, you went to a Sierra Canyon home game, and that team not only has Bronny James, but also Dwayne Wade's kid, Zaire. What was the scene like at the game? It's a small gym, seats less than 1,000 people. So school starts at 8.30. On a certain day, you can come at 7.30 and wait in line. If teachers want to come, they enter a lottery system for seats. For their own high school basketball game. Yeah. It's unusual. The school was not constructed to handle a team of this nature. Is there media there? There's a lot of media there, but Mina, the media is documentary film crews. I mean, yes, there's reporters there. The night I was there, there was a reporter from the Washington Post there as well. But there's four or five cameras around the team at all times. They won't let you do an interview with him. But when the team goes into a timeout, three cameras and two boom mics come in because there's two documentaries being done on the team. One is being done by Uninterrupted, which is LeBron's media company. And there's another documentary that's being done with Dwayne Wade and his son. One of the things that you see from the players when there's a, a big play made or a, a, a great you know, moment in the game, they'll leap up from the bench And they celebrate, they aim towards the camera because they've been conditioned and trained that like that's sort of the world that they're appealing to. A lot of the kids on this team are their own brands. And that's a quote from their head coach. That's not something that is like sort of seen as a problem there. What you're describing sounds like an episode of Black Mirror. That's the strange zone that they're in. On one hand, they say, we don't want Bronny to give interviews. On the other hand, 
the night that I was there, he was followed by the uninterrupted film crew all the way out of the gym, out to the parking lot to get in the car. They're not inviting in ESPN. They're not inviting in HBO. They're inviting in one of the parents' media companies. They trust LeBron with the footage. I remember hearing that Bronny was going to Sierra Canyon because it was actually part of the free agency news cycle at one point. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why LeBron wanted to bring his children to Los Angeles was he felt from a basketball perspective that they could get a more normal environment. I know that sounds strange, but if Bronny were to play almost anywhere in the country, he would be the best player on the team at at age 15. On this team, he's maybe the seventh or eighth best player. (laughs) Um, And I think that they wanted him to be in a position where he could play with other elite athletes and also feel somewhat normal. What about LeBron and Wade themselves? Do they go to the games? The night I uh, went, LeBron was out of town playing in a game. and Dwayne was not there. But I, LeBron watches the games on streaming on his phone. That's what a modern superstar father does to watch his son play basketball. Watches him on his phone on streaming. Coming up, what it was like covering LeBron as a high schooler and how it's different covering Bronny. So, Brian, this isn't just another basketball story for you. Covering Bronny James' first season, playing for his high school in L.A., it sort of brings things full circle. You covered LeBron James in his freshman year of high school, the very start of his career. How did that come about? The night that I went to see Bronny play was the uh, 20-year anniversary of the first game I watched LeBron play, which was his first game, to the day, actually. The night that LeBron started, you know, he was 14 at the time, and they played in front of maybe four or 500 people, and uh, he scored 15 points. And I was working at the Akron Beacon Journal at the time. I was still in college, and I had gone to the same high school, St. Vincent, St. Mary. So I was aware that um, there were some special young players, including one particular freshman. I pestered my bosses to let me go cover the game. As that season went along, I kept pushing for more and more coverage. And when they went to go to the state tournament in LeBron's freshman year, they really hadn't been exposed to much media yet. And so they asked me, even though I was very wet behind the ears myself, they asked me to come speak to the team about the media they were going to get at the state Final Four. And that day, the um, all-state teams had been announced, and LeBron did not make first-team all-state in his division. So I gave him a little presentation about what to expect. And after the presentation, we asked for questions, and LeBron raised his hand. He said, "Um, how come I didn't make the All-State team? And I said, well, sometimes freshmen don't get the recognition they deserve. You know, sometimes you have to sort of pay your dues a little bit, even if your stats are good. He was very upset about that. There was actually a time in LeBron's life where he felt like he was overlooked and not getting enough attention. You spoke about how now there's an entire ecosystem around high school players. We get these hype videos. What was that ecosystem like back then in the early days of LeBron the high schooler? Clearly, no social media. So his arrival on the scene was print media, which was the cover of Sports Illustrated midway through his junior year. Mm. The chosen one. The chosen one. 
his coming out party was during his senior year when ESPN televised a game uh, in Cleveland against Oak Hill Academy. How good is LeBron James? Well, simply put, Dan, LeBron James is the best high school basketball player I have ever seen. Uh-oh! <laughs> He's the truth, and that's a jam for a dunk. I mean, I got goosebumps watching that. He might have made 50 or $60 million that night because his dominance in that game his ability to put up highlights that we could show on SportsCenter for the next three months to back up the hype as he did, elevated the desire to see him. You can't do that today because there's a slow build. But back then, the rush of attention almost was more valuable. Nike and Adidas and Reebok were like, we got to have this kid. Besides what he did on the court, what would you say was the impact that LeBron had on high school basketball? LeBron changed the way players looked to take advantage of their situation. He wouldn't have used this verbiage back then, but he built a brand. Before he even knew where he was going to go play, he was able to get $100 million from Nike. He became a brand with the way he played and it earned him a lot of money. We still haven't seen the absolute duplication of him, who was the perfect personality with the perfect game at the perfect time, but there's a lot of people trying. Basketball is a unique sport in that regard, right? The way it caters to youth and sort of our ability and desire to find phenoms at a very young age is pretty specific. You want to get in early. That's why one of the biggest things that people consume in college sports is recruiting. It's one of the reasons that the draft is such a big thing for the NBA and the NFL, because people want to know who's coming next, especially in in, in basketball, where one player, even if that player is 18 or 19 years old, can change an entire team. And that is why here we are in 2019, sending reporters to Australia to report on LaMelo Ball because people out there are fascinated by what LaMelo Ball could become. And that existed before LeBron, but in the wake of LeBron has been magnified. In some ways, this almost reflects back on LeBron as much as the pressure is applied to Bronny, right? I mean, it becomes a referendum on how he parents, how he is keeping his son in or out of the public eye. I mean, I remember... A few months ago, when that clip went viral of LeBron celebrating at one of his son's games, it became a hot topic of debate almost. I mean, how do you think that affects him? Well, I do think that LeBron enjoys attention (laughs) and he is aware that the cameras are on him at all times. And so when he celebrates at those games, he's well aware that it's going to be captured. But there's no doubt that he loves being there. And he's talked about how going to Bronny's games has reinvigorated him. One of the reasons why I think that they are doing the documentary, that they are capturing the video and putting it out is it's going to get put out anyway. And so I think LeBron's like, look, if someone else is going to have control of it, it might as well be us. And so I think that's a 2019 way of thinking that we never would have thought even five or eight years ago, much less when he was in high school. There was a wonderful moment that was captured of him giving his son um, advice, his younger son, Bryce. Bryce was down and LeBron was giving him instructions. You get too down on yourself for no reason. You played a hell of a game. You ain't got to worry about making shots or missing shots. All right. Good job. It was a wonderful moment of fatherhood. 
At the same time, it was captured because the camera and microphone were there to capture it. Um, so they live in both worlds, protecting, nurturing, but also taking advantage of it. And that's the world that Sierra Canyon, frankly, is taking advantage of as well. It had to have felt a bit surreal, Brian, going from being the only reporter in a gym to where there's documentary film crews at these games. And I mean, we're sending out news alerts at ESPN. It's just such a different world now. Yeah, to see the media coverage, to see the players react to the cameras, to see the cameras be there for every second. I mean, people probably wouldn't believe what LeBron looked like as a 15, 16 year old. Those games are lost. No one will ever see them. This we will have forever. It is very, very different. But I am not filled with nostalgia seeing it. I am filled with wonder about Sierra Canyon and everybody involved with it embracing the new way. And so I wasn't looking backwards that night. I was looking forwards. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Mina. Coming up, another family story, this time about the Bills. Here's another story I want you to know. On Sunday night, the Buffalo Bills play the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's going to be a historic moment. Not just because it's Buffalo's first Sunday night game in 12 years, but also because it'll be the first time in more than 90 years that three brothers will play in an NFL game. On Pittsburgh's side, you've got Trey Edmonds, a running back, and Terrell Edmonds, the team's strong safety. And on Buffalo, there's Tremaine, who plays linebacker. Now, Trey, Terrell, and Tremaine aren't the only brothers in the NFL, of course. There are at least two other players on the Steelers alone with siblings in the league. Linebacker TJ Watt has JJ and Derek, and Marquise Pouncey, Pittsburgh's center, has Mike. But the Edmonds are unique in several respects. Last year, When Tremaine and Terrell were both drafted, it was the first time the two brothers had ever been picked in the first round at the same time. And what I love about their story is that while their father, Farrell, was a former NFL tight end, the entire family attributes much of the boys' success to their mother, Felicia. According to a piece by The Athletic's Lindsay D'Arcangelo, when the Edmonds brothers were young, Felicia, who was a PE teacher, trained them in speed and conditioning. She would wake them up before school to run laps and hills and have them sprint while holding a potato chip that they could not break in their hands to teach them how to move without tensing up. All three boys went to Virginia Tech, and when Tremaine would bring his teammates home, his mom's workouts left them exhausted. Now that all three are in the NFL, she no longer trains them since they don't get home very often. But she'll be there on Sunday, rooting for all of her boys, and I imagine critiquing their form too. I'm Mina Kimes, and this has been ESPN Daily. ESPN Daily is produced by Michael Baltiera, Troy Farkas, Alexander Hyacinth, Mike Johns, Sarah Kazadi, Steve Martin, Ryan Nantel, David Sorosi, Andy Tennant, Eve Tro, Chris Tuminello, and Aaron Vale. I'll talk to you Monday.